Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Beta Bay Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Fry, and for this episode of the podcast, I'm very pleased to have Melissa Ergo as my guest. Melissa is a wedding photographer and she's based in Santa Cruz County, but she does work all throughout the greater San Francisco Bay Area and in fact throughout the entire state of California as well. Melissa gets her business primarily through referrals and through her website and from her Instagram account. Now, I follow Melissa on Instagram and I gotta say, her photos are amazing. You know, I'm a married guy and when we got married, we hired a wedding photographer and the wedding photographer did a great job. We have many beautiful photographs of ourselves, um, but the photographs that I have, for the most part, they are a very traditional sort of wedding photographs. A lot of them are posed, they're not very natural looking. I mean, we look great, but they're not exactly different. Now, Melissa's photos, they are very different. When you go onto her Instagram account and you look at the kind of photos that she puts out, you're going to see that they're natural, they're spontaneous, they're whimsical, they're intimate, they're fun in a way like I really have never seen wedding photographs be. They're pretty incredible. I really enjoyed my conversation with Melissa, and when you listen to her talk, you can really see how much she loves her job, how much care she puts into it. So um, if you're thinking about maybe getting a wedding photographer or becoming a wedding photographer or just kind of want to know about you know what it takes to uh, be that kind of independent artist, because that's exactly what she is, you really want to sit back, relax, and listen to what Melissa Ergo has to say. So Melissa, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Very happy to be here with you. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a very long time, so I'm glad we're finally able to make it happen. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm really sorry that it took me so long to get in touch with you about it. Well, you're a victim of your own success, right? <laughs> so, you know, I like to start off my podcast by having the guests tell me a little story. You have a little story you can share with me? Yes, I do. So... When I was a kid, I was super shy and awkward, and my mom played a huge role in really forming my sense of adventure and my ability to interact with the world around me in a way that like, helped me feel less awkward in my own skin. And uh, she was also a photographer, and growing up, our, the home that I lived in, the walls were covered in photos that she took. They were beautiful black and white photos, from places that she traveled, like Asia and Middle East, and they were all street scenes and environmental portraits of people that were shopkeepers and uh, or just random people hanging out in the streets. And I was always really fascinated by them because they were beautiful, and also it took so, so much <laughs> like gutsiness to go out and get those photos. And so when I was about 15, I got to go with her and my dad to Egypt, and they, my dad, it was a unique trip because my dad was in business meetings most of the time. So I got to go around with my mom and experience the way that she traveled. And I found out that she has this whole secret life when she travels that my dad didn't know about. And uh, so we were staying in Cairo and the day that I really remember, the first thing that we did was we left Cairo and we went out to Giza to see the pyramids and we found these guys that had these Mustangs and my mom, and they were offering photo, or they were offering to take people around the pyramids on the Mustangs. And my mom looked at me and she was like, don't tell dad we did this. This is gonna be a secret. 
because he'll flip if we if he finds out. So we we got on these Mustangs and we galloped around the pyramids for like an hour and it was terrifying and so fun. And then we spent the rest of the day uh, wandering around these little dirt roads of a village just photographing people. And I remember watching her go up, go up to people and just even though she didn't speak the language, she asked them somehow to photograph them. And she was like waving her arms around and laughing and smiling and pointing to her camera. And she always got people to agree to being photographed. And it was such a cool way for me to experience a different culture. And it really opened up my, my world and my mind and uh, inspired me to use photography in that way too, as a way to connect with the world around me. Um, because she was able to do that even though she didn't speak the same language. And as a shy, awkward, introverted kid, that was a huge, a huge formative experience for me. Wow, that is a terrific story. Okay, good. That is easily (laughs) one of the best stories we've had here uh, on the Beta Bay podcast. (laughs) That is really cool. I love that. So uh, that really... um, I just find that fascinating because I, I can just I'm picturing in my mind the walls of your house and and seeing all those black and white photos from around the world. Yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time looking up at those photos and just wondering how she got them, and it was cool to experience now firsthand. You, now you know how. Now I know. Now you know how. <laughs> so, so where did you grow up? Where was that house? I grew up in Walnut Creek, which is a little suburb in the East Bay. Uh, really kind of boring town but a nice place to grow up and have a family yeah i'm from berkeley so uh, i've been to walnut creek many times so uh, what was childhood like in walnut creek was it just uh, white picket fences and everyone had 2.25 kids yeah just about Uh, as a very very boring town where nothing really excited exciting happened and uh very safe um, I'm glad that I grew up there. There was a lot of great things about it, but I couldn't wait to get out and experience other things. Right, exactly. A good little uh, nest, you know, to uh, grow your wings yes. before you fly off. So when you flew off, uh, where'd you go to college? Did you go to college? Yes, I went to Seattle Pacific University in Washington. Oh, that's a Christian university, right? SPU? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> interesting fact, when I was... Uh, younger man. I was working at a uh, salmon cannery in Alaska and my good buddy Jonathan Shaw, you know Jonathan Shaw, do you? I know a Jonathan Shaw actually. Really? He who... went to SPU? Yeah. Yes. It's probably you, a different You know one. Jonathan Shaw? I don't know. I don't Maybe know if it's the same he one. He was a lot younger than me. Could be the same Jonathan Shaw. <laughs> was fr- he tall and skinny? We're friends. He was not super tall, but he was skinny. Interesting. Yeah, he was... Yeah, skinny for sure. Well, we're friends on Facebook. Well, now I'll have to find out. I'm going to go and look. (laughs) Wow. So anyway, he went to SPU. Wow. So you went to Seattle to go to SPU. And what did you study at SPU? I studied art and art history. And yeah, all I cared about was making art and uh, learning about art. And I went into college with a very naive mindset about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, that's okay because college is not really about what you study so much as the experience, right? Yeah, exactly. So were you studying, are you an art history major? Is that what you're major? was it was mostly studio art and then I added on art history toward the end um, because I really wanted to have that extra an art degree doesn't carry a lot of so you have an art degree with like a minor (laughs) in art history is that what that is it was a double major double major yeah so I spent a little bit of extra time in school to get that in very good so studio art meaning like you were like doing like sculptures or paintings or what were you yeah it was a little bit of everything I took a couple photo classes I did oil painting, I did uh, figure drawing, um, sculpture, 
they kind of make you do a little bit of everything and I never really got to focus in very much on one thing right well it's un- undergrad right yeah. you could go on to yeah. uh, you know Florence or whatever for your you know masters I guess yeah so you finished up SPU and then you were there for maybe a year extra or how long were you there at I SPU? took an extra quarter there oh, that's um, it that's an extra quarter yeah okay, very good so then you, you're a fresh graduate you got your degree then then what'd you go and do um, so I thought that I was going to be working in the museum world and I wanted to get a little bit of extra education in that department before really going for that. And so I did a term at St. Andrews University in Scotland and oh, wow. they're really well known for their art history school. And, uh, I went and it was a great experience, but I decided that I really disliked the art world and it was not for me. <laughs> so... I came home and I got a job at Banana Republic and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And that's, that's what I did after college. <laughs> Banana Republic, right? Yes. So, uh, which, which shopping mall were you in? Which one? Oh, I was in Broadway Plaza in downtown Walnut Creek. Downtown Walnut Creek, yep. back to base. So. Back where I started. <laughs> All right. So how did you end up living in beautiful Santa Cruz, California? Uh, well, I moved back to Washington and Oregon for a while and... I I loved being up there, but I really wanted to be closer to my family. So about four or five years ago, I decided to move back to California, but I didn't want to live where I grew up. And Santa Cruz had always been interesting to me because I grew up going to summer camp here near Boulder Creek. And camp Harmon, which camp did you go to? Uh, camp Hammer. Camp Hammer. Okay, yeah. very good. So. All right. That's how I chose to come back to Santa Cruz. I just love being surrounded by natural beauty and interesting people. So how many years ago was that that you moved back to, or came to Santa Cruz, I should say? I think it was about four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago. All right. So uh, you said your mom was a photographer. um, And when did you actually start, like, doing, like, photography for your own purposes? Uh, well, she gave me my first film camera when I was about 11, and she taught me how to use the darkroom. Which was it a 35 millimeter? Yes, or, okay. 35 millimeter oh, really? wow. Canon Rebel, and nice. we had a darkroom that was also our laundry room, and she had always let me peek over her shoulder while she developed photos in there, but uh, she finally let me learn how to use it when I was in middle school, and that was really fun. Um, it wasn't, to be honest, photography wasn't really my favorite medium for for a long time, uh, but I did it for fun. I used photography to hang out with friends and just have an excuse to do something weird and fun, do some weird photo shoot with them. And in college, I ended up incorporating that a lot into different projects, and um, I ended up getting into photography as a job a couple years after college and um, I had in college I had interned for a couple different high-end photographers in LA and New York and they were doing fashion and weddings and I at the time thought this is terrible this is so high pressure their clients are really demanding and I don't think I could survive in this world Um, but then I photographed a wedding for a friend and it felt totally different. And I realized how fun it was to make something meaningful for people. And so when I was 23, I, I just realized after working for a while at Banana Republic, I was like, I need to do something meaningful that makes me happy. And I ended up uh, making a website and just putting myself out there as a photographer and spending a lot of time trying to build that up 
And that was about seven years ago now. All right. So you said you like doing something meaningful. Is that what you like best about being a photographer? Is that, is that really what strikes the chord within you? Is Yeah. Yeah. I love being able to do something meaningful for a person. And I, I didn't appreciate this for a long time, but uh, giving somebody a photo of a really meaningful time in their life, especially if it's candid, uh, that can be such a meaningful thing that helps them relive that memory and helps that memory stay alive because photos really whether we like it or not end up replacing the memories that we have from different times in our life and so if i can give somebody a photo that's really genuine and honest and where i didn't mess with whatever was happening at the time then that photo can really reflect how they felt and what was happening and hopefully um, bring them joy later well, I mean, for me, it's photos are almost like magic because I'm like extremely amateur photographer myself. I mean, I don't, I don't, nothing's ever paid me, no one ever would pay me to take a picture, but I have a lot of pictures. I've taken, I've taken many, 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 many tens of thousands of photographs, and like it's just amazing that when you look at these photographs, like the memories that just come flooding back, right? Like you have yeah. no recollection at all about like that this something having happened, and then you look at this photograph, and like all of a sudden, it's just like you're transported. Totally. Back in time and like you can remember all the stuff that like you get to like relive a little snippet of your life, you know, through every photograph. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, that's a really I love that. I love going to my grandparents' house because they have so many old photos everywhere and especially when we were kids and so I look at photos and think, Oh my god, I remember that outfit or I remember that place we went to that museum and Things that would have completely left my memory if I didn't have those. Right, photos. exactly. It's 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 really astounding. Um, so, um, what is your niche in photography? For those who don't know, I shoot weddings and elopements. So I work only. Yeah. Okay. So I only work with couples. I've done a lot of different types of photography, and I found that working with couples is the most rewarding and fun. Um, it's such a cool important time in somebody's life when they're getting married and I love weddings specifically because it's so much more than about a person's marriage it's about all of the people that matter to them in their life coming to one place at one time and it's just a really cool intersection of people and chapters and to be able to photograph all of that converging is a really powerful, cool thing. Right, for sure. So, uh, you know, I mentioned that I'm kind of a you know, photography buff for a little bit. Um, tell me about your cameras. What kind of cameras does a professional photographer use like yourself? Well, I, I use two Canon 5D Mark IVs, and I also use two Fuji X-T3s, and they're little mirrorless cameras. So those, are those micro four thirds? Is that what those are, those Fujis? Yeah, yeah. So they're really light and small and fun to use, and yet they have really incredible quality. So um, I used to use only Canons at weddings, and now I actually carry three cameras with me to weddings. I have two Fujis and one Canon, and it's ridiculous, but... I, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> well, back in the old days, people would carry like 10 cameras with them and each one would be loaded with like a different yeah. speed of film for whatever they had to use. Yeah, you have to have the film ready. <laughs> right, ready to go. So, uh, it's sort of off topic here, but like I have a Lumix, a Panasonic Lumix uh, Micro Four Thirds mm -hmm. mirrorless camera. So like what's the big benefit of mirrorless versus mirrored? Like I don't understand the, the debate. Um, I think it, in a lot of ways it comes down to personal preference, but... 
the smaller sensor size allows you to have a smaller camera and smaller lenses and it's travel friendly it's light it's more fun to use um my bigger cameras the the canons that i use they're great and they're they make beautiful images but uh they're huge and the the lenses that i have to use with them are also huge as a result and it's tough to travel with them and it's also tough to kind of blend in if you're trying to take candid photos so I find that the mirrorless cameras are really great because you can really blend in. They're easy to carry. They don't hurt your hand when you're shooting all day with it. And yeah, they're just, they're fun. And they, they still make really great quality photos. There is a little bit of a difference in the way that the photos look because you don't get as much depth of field. Depth but, of field, that's the, the critical differentiator between the two. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one thing. It's like you don't get as creamy of that of like bokeh with the mirrorless if well the mirrorless actually is not the the problem it's the sensor size on those smaller cropped sensor cameras and um that's what affects the amount of bokeh that you get and that's like for people that don't know what bokeh is it's like if you use a an iphone in portrait mode it kind of gives you a a fortified bokeh with that blur in the background right so, so a, a, a full frame mirrored SLR is preferable for getting that nat a real realistic bokeh effect. Yeah, it gives you a deeper, like more pronounced bokeh. So I'm not going to get that on my Panasonic Lumix, whatever it is that I have. You could. I don't. I've never used that camera. You can. You can get it. It. It kind of depends on the lens you're using, but it's never going to be as deep as it is with a full frame. Um, there's something about the sensor size that changes that. So if you're using a medium format camera, which is an even bigger sensor, you'll get crazy depth of field. And it's, and it's, yeah, it's just a matter of the sensor size. Got it. And also, so when I was researching my camera that before I bought it, they were saying that like, yeah, the lenses are much smaller and it's, just, it's it, and that's because of the size of the sensor, right? Is that, is that what it is? What? Yeah, yeah. You, if with the sensor being smaller, you can have tinier lenses. Right. So, so like I have like a two hundred millimeter lens, but that's equivalent to like a three hundred and fifty millimeter lens for a DSLR yeah. or something. Yeah, that's cool. Like you that. have to carry around this huge thing. Right. Well, I do have two lenses. I have a like, wide angle and a more of a telephoto one. So, is there no one size fits all camera? Like, is there like they invented that yet that does the cool bokeh and doesn't weigh a ton and uses small lenses? Does that exist? Or are they working on that? Or um, probably Sony. Actually, the Sony mirrorless is a full frame, and uh, I know that a lot of people are using that in the wedding world. Oh, really? So, what model number Sony is that? Do you know? Uh, I don't know because you're a I Canon don't person. Use, yeah, so, oof, but it's. It's like, you know, it's mirrorless, and so it's smaller, but you still, the lenses are still a little bit bigger than you would if you were to be using a Fuji crop sensor. Um, but a lot of people like the Sony. The problem with the Sony is that everyone says that there's a terrible menu system, and it's really right. hard to to use. Those so. inscrutable menu systems on these cameras. It is, <laughs> it is difficult. Uh, I, I even find it difficult. So, uh, one reason why I bought my Panasonic Lumix was that it was supposedly like the best prosumer camera for video as well. Um, do you do ever do video or you are strictly photos or? I do strictly photos. I would love to get into videography, but it's a little daunting for me because I know that there's so much more that goes into it. And uh, honestly, just a little bit like I've been putting it off. I'm a little scared off by it, but I think it'd be cool to get into. 
It's a fun medium. You know, I bought um, Final Cut Pro uh, several, well, maybe it was almost a year ago, for my you know experimental YouTube channel, and uh, oh. I really enjoy playing with Final Cut Pro, which I know Adobe Premiere is better, whatever. But uh, it, re- <laughs> it really is fun. So, uh, well, that, there's a new, you know, new virgin territory for you to explore. Yeah. When do you, you do you feel like it was easy to figure out how to use that software? Or? You know what? It actually, I would say no. But anytime I have a question, like because it's such a widely used platform, when you go and Google any question that you have, you'll find out how to use it. Like in you know five minutes, it's you know. Cool. There's endless resources, and the other amazing thing, which I had no idea about, was that the amount of plugins and you know effects that you can add to Final Cut Pro is just like, I mean, astounding. There's thousands, literally, of like you know just things that will plug into Final Cut Pro. I'm sure the same with Premiere, right? Okay, but um, it's really cool. So I mean, I don't have that much time to do it, but it is always like fun, you know. Like it's it's kind of like Photoshop, right? Which which do you use Photoshop? Are you a Photoshop person? Uh, I do use Photoshop, but usually only if I have to do something very specialized, and mostly I use Lightroom. So mostly you use Lightroom. Yeah. So when I first started using Photoshop a million years ago, I was just like, and this is like a rudimentary version of Photoshop a million years ago. I was blown away with all the different stuff that you could do. Right. I mean, yeah. like there's like <laughs> thousands of things you could do, and like it's it's art essentially, right? I mean, like it's you know it's working with Photoshop is is art. So that's what you use, though. You use um, Lightroom. Yeah. So what's good about Lightroom? Lightroom is great for handling a ton of photos and uh, making basic edits to them. You can't do all of like the super specialized effects that you can do with Photoshop, but it makes it easier to to organize your photos from a wedding and edit them all and see them all in one place. And uh, when I come home from a wedding, I'll have anywhere from four to ten thousand photos to look through and so Lightroom is really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so Lightroom also is like a media management software, right? That is that correct? It's yeah. like Photoshop is just a photo editing and Lightroom manages your media for you as well. Yes. Right? You can organize your photos into different folders on there, different collections and uh, it's just it makes it so easy to see exactly what you want to look like. It makes it so easy to see exactly what you want to look at at any given time. You don't have to like go through and open individual files. Right. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, um, you are pretty successful, I think. I mean, it appears to me you seem quite busy. And um, I've been wondering how you find all your clients because it's kind of like a niche. Like there's no yeah. billboard. This is Melissa Erica <laughs> photographer on the way home from 17, right? So... How do you find your clients? Um, right now, I it's kind of evenly split between people finding me from Instagram, from Google searches, and word of mouth referrals. Um, what do you say the breakdown is between those, if you had to guess? I, I kind of think it's actually pretty even between the three. Okay. Um, and I'm actually getting more people finding me from Pinterest this year, which Pinterest, is interesting. interesting. I'm not sure if I've had a, actually anybody book me that found me that Are way. Are you on Pinterest? Do you have a Pinterest page? I am on Pinterest and I barely use it, but right. things get out into the Pinterest universe and somehow people It's easy find to me. share pins, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I have a Pinterest account, which I never use. But um, so do you do Google AdWords or how are people finding you on Google? I used to do AdWords, uh, and I'm not sure if it actually got me any business. I don't do any advertising now, um, and people. So I really worked hard on 
making my site show up on the first page of Google. I don't know if it's actually showing up on the first page of Google right now. It's like changes from day to day. Um, well, what are your keywords? Uh, my main keyword is Santa Cruz wedding photographer. Santa Cruz wedding photographer. Yeah. Okay. So people find me organically just on typing in Santa Cruz wedding photographer. And something that has led a lot of people to my site this year has been a blog that I posted about Santa Cruz wedding venues. And people have found that very useful. And right. that's been right. nice to be able to get all of that traffic. Right. So that's what we call long tail marketing, right? Have you heard yeah. that before? Long tail marketing? Yeah. Right. So. Well, that's very good. Right. I, yeah. Probably you could do a series of similar posts and get, you know, yeah. like a Santa Cruz uh, wedding uh, catering or Santa Cruz, you know, the best. We probably know all the good caterers. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, you know, I am sure that there are many people who are going to be listening to this are themselves, you know, aspiring to be a photographer. Now, you're fairly established now, so. You know, if you if you were talking to like somebody who's an up and comer in the photography business, what advice can you give them to really help actually build like a paying career behind the camera? Yeah, um, there are a couple things that I think are really important, and one is investing in education about how to run run a business and how to build a business, and also investing in, in education about just perfecting your craft as a photographer. Um, I think a lot of people that get into photography are interested in making art and taking photos and they don't necessarily think about the side of things where they actually have to build a business and that like I fell into that boat I all I wanted to do was take pictures and then I was like oh my gosh I have no idea how to actually make this happen and get paying clients and um, and run a business because there's a lot of things to think about and so there's so many different online and in-person workshops you can take that are geared specifically toward photographers where you can learn about marketing and how to use your camera in different ways. And I definitely recommend doing that early on. I wish I did more of that. Um, another thing that I think is really important that I wish I did more of was to assist and second shoot for as many photographers as I could. Um, I did do a fair amount of that, but I could have definitely done more. And I think that working with other photographers was some of my best education, actually. It's just seeing how other people work, um, seeing how they run their businesses, seeing how they interact with clients, being able to ask them questions. Um, it's also a great way to build your portfolio. And eventually, it will lead to referrals. Those people will send you clients that they can't take because they're already booked up right, and right. that's a, such an important way of building up your client base well that right there is worth the price of admission for listening to this <laughs> podcast right here <laughs> that's really good advice so uh, do you have any people who work for you as second photographers would you call them second second sec shooters second shooters yeah i've had a few different people that i've worked with over the years and one of them she's actually one of my best friends and she worked with me for several years and moved down to la so i've been branching out and working with other people so i'm actually looking for more consistent second shooters if anyone is interested in uh getting into that i would love to hear from them well okay that's awesome <laughs> okay I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna remember that because i bet you that my reticular activating my reticular activation system will be activated or whatever and i'm sure i'll hear all kinds of people who are now oh, looking great. for opportunities like that so i will keep my ears open 
Now, you mentioned Instagram, which uh, I am uh, one of your followers on Instagram, and I'm just amazed at the engagement that you get on Instagram. How do you do it? <laughs> um, that's <laughs> I. It's funny because I feel like I'm really bad at Instagram, and I'm always just like trying new things, and they're not working as well as they do for other people. Um, I don't have a huge following, but I I feel like I've gotten a hang of how to get pretty good engagement, and I think that the most important thing that I've done is really make an effort to show who I am as a human being behind my my Instagram profile and uh, help people see, yeah, who I am as a person. I think that people are really curious to peek into other people's lives and to feel connected to other people and know who they are and not just what they do. And so I keep that in mind when I'm writing captions or choosing photos to post and when I'm posting to my Instagram stories. Um, I think as far as practical tips go, uh, Instagram stories right now as of October 2019 uh, get way more engagement than regular posts. Oh, do they? Yeah, actually oh. learned that recently. Um, but it totally makes sense because um, I, don't, I don't actually post as much as I should on the stories, but whenever I do, I get a lot more engagement on my profile than I do with a regular post. And I think the best way that you can use stories is to take videos of yourself talking to the camera. And it feels really awkward, but it works and it makes people feel connected to you. You could literally talk about anything and people will find it interesting because they are getting to know who you are as a person. It's the next best thing to meeting you. So um, I would recommend posting videos of yourself talking about... Um, advice, answering frequently asked questions, um, giving updates about your business, um, or even just letting people see into your personal life. Uh, probably nine or ten months ago, I gave a tour of our house in the middle of the renovation project that we are still in. And I thought it was kind of a boring video, but people still comment about it when they see me in person and they they want to know how the house is going and they like remember that more than any other thing I posted. I'm like, this has nothing to do with my photography. But um, yeah, I think that's a really powerful way of connecting with people. Um, and so as a result, I've, I, I'll meet people in person for the first time, clients, and they'll say things like, I feel like I already know you because I've watched you on Instagram for a while. And that's really cool because I actually don't post as much as I should. Um, I think you do a great job on your Instagram. I mean, I don't know, how, I don't, I don't audit how many postings that you're doing, but <laughs> yours are the, always the ones that catch my eye. Oh, you thank know? you. They really, they're they're very catchy. Well, I guess you would say that makes me feel really good. I feel like maybe I'm doing something right. Thank you. No, you really are doing because I mean, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I I'm not like a massive Instagrammer, but I I check my Instagram and other feeds, right? You know, like probably like three times a week, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you always have a photo in my feed. And I, I mean, Instagram is no longer chronological, right? They yeah. show you what they think you want to see, right? Maybe it's, I don't know why, but they show me a lot of what you do. And it's really incredible. You mentioned something there that was very important, I think, which was that you basically want to show people who you are, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, like, you know, like, okay, I'm a realtor and there's a million other realtors out there. And how do you pick a realtor? And they all look the same, right? You know, like until you know them, they don't all look the same, but you don't know who they are. And I, th I imagine the same thing is true with wedding photographers, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to find one 
who you feel like they're likable and approachable and trustworthy, yeah. right? You know, and I think that by sharing who you really are, to some extent, it really can help you connect with your future clientele in ways that you probably can't appreciate right now. Maybe you're starting to appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. There's a ton of wedding photographers out there. So in order to stand out, you really have to show people what your personality is like. And especially with wedding photography, they're going to be spending more time with you than anyone else on their wedding day. And that is going to become like a huge part of their memories of such an important day. So it's so important that people feel comfortable around that person and that they that it's somebody that they would actually enjoy hanging out with because right they're going to be hanging out with you yeah they're going to be hanging out and they have the power to make you at ease in front of the camera or not like maybe you'll end up looking super awkward in front of all the, in in all the photos because if you feel <laughs> awkward you're going to look like right. it. <laughs> you look like a mannequin right yeah. you know which that's the thing like we had a photographer for our wedding and they're lovely photographs you know but I really feel they were staged, right? I mean, like they were staged photos. Maybe your photos are staged too, but they don't look staged. Well, they, <laughs> they they look natural, right? They look like two a couple in love having the, the the best day of their lives. That's what I really go for. I I don't stage anything. I take a really photojournalistic approach. Um, I don't want to interfere with anyone's memories, and I don't want to tell people what to do or how to do it. And so the more that I can kind of blend into the background, the more people are able to just be themselves. And it's obviously a little different for portraits, but I really try to retain that same feeling in photos. I'm sure you probably do some portraits. I probably don't show up on the Instagram. Those are probably more like the formal, I don't know. Do you do portraits for well, the wedding? Like you say, I stand here in front of the altar or whatever. And I do um, a different portraits. So there's the family portraits, which are pretty basic and everyone's looking straight at the camera. And then there are a couple portraits, which um, will take a few basic formal photos of them just looking straight at me. But most of the time I spend with them during portraits is getting them to interact with each other in a way that's natural. And everyone has a different level of comfortability with being in front of the camera and showing PDA and all of that. So I have to kind of feel it out. But I like to tell people... I'll, I'll put them in some nice light and I'll, I'll tell people that this is, this is your time to spend together however you want. I'm going to be moving around you, photographing you quietly. And the more that you can interact with each other in a way that's natural and be affectionate with each other in a way that is, feels natural and fun, the more that the photos will turn out natural and you will look at them and recognize yourself and you'll be able to remember how you felt. and that the alternative is if I were directing them and staging them and telling them how to pose and micromanaging, then their memories would just be, uh, remember that really awkward photographer that told us to do all of these weird things and look at these photos, these don't feel like us. And I never want people to have that experience or people to look at their photos and, and think that. Yeah, exactly. So you're saying you don't tell people what to do. That's I mean, maybe give them a little coaching session, yeah. like in the morning of or whatever, and then you just sort of fade into the background and just sort of like, yeah. you know, bob and weave around them and, and are just there for the shot? Yeah, yeah. I, it's mostly, throughout the day, it's mostly candids, and then the photographs during portraits are like candid-ish. As much as I can, I try not to tell them what to do, but I'll give them encouragement and give them suggestions depending on how awkward they feel but it's it's a constant challenge trying to figure out how to make people comfortable in front of the camera 
Well, plus it's a, a dynamic situation, right? I mean, there's lots of things going on at that same time, yeah. right? You know, and like all the people, the family, you know, the you know the rush of emotions and all that, right? Yeah, it's a definitely. Highly charged day. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the coolest wedding that you've ever been to as a photographer? Um, I've been to a lot of really cool weddings, um, and I think that the ones that stand out to me the most are where the couple just made the day completely theirs and didn't worry about following tradition. And one that really stands out to me was a wedding that I did last May where the couple was very sciencey and very like smart and love, like I think the, the husband is he has some crazy scientist job. I don't know what it is, but they're... Top secret. No one can say. Yeah, so something <laughs> that they would do for fun every year uh, is go to Burning Man, and they would always set up this liquid nitrogen ice cream stand and uh, use liquid nitrogen to make ice cream in the middle of this hot desert. And so they decided to do that at their wedding and also make a show out of it. So they put on their lab coats and they put on their safety goggles and they, in front of all of their guests, made this ice cream and then they they served it with a cake and it was just so fun and so cool. Wow, that is very cool. I was in Washington, D.C. in uh, April or May and uh, there was a store there called Nice Cream. And that's what oh. it was. It was basically custom-made nitrogen ice cream. I guess they would take the cream and they would blow nitrogen on it and cool. freeze it just like that yeah that's awesome it, it was pretty cool exactly so um you may have heard about this this thing it's called the bridezilla uh, do those oh. actually exist <laughs> i mean what, what what is that like i mean is that a real thing or is that just yes it is <laughs> um i feel lucky in that i have gotten mostly really great easygoing clients um but the thing that people don't really tell you is that there are also groomzillas. Groomzillas. I was just going to say, where's the groomzillas? <laughs> yeah, people, you never know how people are going to demonstrate their stress on their wedding day. And so I, I think that I'm a pretty calm, patient person and I have a good personality for dealing with those situations. Um, and I, like I said, I'm lucky that I've gotten mostly really easygoing clients but I've definitely experienced some doozies that I have had to work through in therapy, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. wow, I can believe it. I'm I... not sure how much I should talk about that on, no, on the mic. But... <laughs> no, no, sure. Okay, but it is a real thing. It's a real you're thing. You're not just imagining it. But there are also our groomzillas too. So yes, definitely. That's very important. We should not forget the groomzillas uh, <laughs> at all. Now, you yourself recently got married. Uh, what, what can you share with us that... Like, was your experience like as a bride yourself and being photographed? How has that like, you know, affected your work now? Um, I feel like I can empathize so much more with couples on their wedding day, having gone through that. Um, I never experienced emotions the way that I did um, on my wedding day. Uh, I did I say that right? Before before my wedding day, I like never experienced that kind of emotional stress before. And it was just this interesting mix of, of like trying to soak everything in and being so happy and just feeling the weight of what I was doing in a really intense way. And so now I can look back on that and, and go forward into other weddings and realize okay, this is a huge, heavy day. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to be asking too much of the couple. If I have like questions or problems as much as possible, I'm going to be going to other people about them because the, the more that I can uh, 
like leave the the couple alone and let them just enjoy their day the better um and something i learned to really appreciate was how valuable it is to have a, a photographer who you barely notice on your wedding day our wedding photographer was great and just documented everything the way it was happening and never interfered he never staged anything besides like certain portraits and it was great and i felt so thankful for that how did those photos come out? Have you seen them yet? Yes, they're awesome. They were so fun to look through. We got them actually a couple weeks ago and we laughed and cried and it was so cool because we got to see things that we didn't see the day of. Like my little sister who is 12, she was wearing basketball shorts under her dress and she at one point tied her dress into a knot so that she could climb up the beam in the one of the beams that was in the barn and she my uncle said that he would give her 20 bucks if she climbed to the ceiling so she tied her dress in a knot and climbed to the ceiling and did that apparently a couple times and we totally missed that so it was really fun to see the photos <laughs> right on all right well um before we wrap it up here um let me just ask uh, is there anything that i didn't ask you that i should have asked you um i I don't think so. I can't think of anything else to to talk about. <laughs> well, you've done a, a very uh, great job so far, but um, how do people get a hold of you if they wanted to reach out to you to have them uh, have you come and do their wedding? How do they find you? Well, um, my website is melissaergo.com, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-E-R-G-O, and my Instagram is the same, melissaergo. Um, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram mostly. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm not really there. Right, and, and uh, uh, Pinterest. Yes. Pinterest as well. Technically, I'm on Pinterest too. But really, about the best way is to direct message you on uh, Instagram, is that right? Or yeah. How, how do the kids do it these days? Yeah, you can either message me on Instagram or send me an email. Email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. And that's on your, on your uh, website. That's on my website, MelissaErgo.com. Yes. All right, so... Um, uh, do you have any parting words of advice for our listeners? Oh, <laughs> um, gosh, I didn't think about what to say for this part. Uh, I would say if you're looking to hire a photographer, um, make sure that they're going to make you feel comfortable and that they're going to focus on giving you a good experience and not just pretty photos and that they're going to help you find a way to get meaningful photos and not just pretty photos. Right. Have a good experience, right? I yes. think that's, I mean, because you don't want to have a photographer come and basically, you know, direct your wedding, right? Yes. That would be the absolute worst. <laughs> right. So find a photographer who will do what you do, sort of set back in the, you know, fade back into the scene and just work silently. I guess yeah. mostly silently. Yeah. Know, to click. Well, I try not to be creepy and, and hovering around people just photographing silently. But yeah, for the most part. <laughs> right. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me on here, Seb. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. That wraps up episode number 47 of the Bay to Bay podcast. I really hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Melissa. I just find it like a breath of fresh air to hear from somebody who is so clearly thrilled to be doing the work that she is doing. And it really shows in her product. Um, so please go ahead and look for her on the web and also do yourself a favor and follow her on Instagram. You'll be glad you did. All right, that is it for this episode of the Beta Bay Podcast. But before I let you go, 
I want to remind you that this episode was sponsored by thesoldbook.com. That's right. Go to thesoldbook.com where you can order your free copy of my book, Get It Sold. It's all about how to quickly and easily sell your home for the very highest price possible and have a good time doing it. Now, this is a real book. You can buy it on Amazon.com for $13, and it does have a number of five-star reviews, but you can get it for free just by going to thesoldbook.com. And hey, check it out. If you use the coupon code FREESHIP, that's F-R-E-E-S-H-I-P, use the coupon code FREESHIP at checkout, I'll even ship it to you for free. You can't beat that. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Beta Bay Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I will have another episode up again before too long.